Dad Pods. That's Dad Pods with a Z because it turns out there's a lot of podcasts called Dad Pod. Uh, this is Shane. Hi, and this is Michael. Hi. And if I did it correctly, you've just heard our new opening song. Thank you. <laughs> and what a great song it is. Thank you to the uh, excellent artist, Elliot Young, who uh, did that uh, wonderful intro music for us. All right, let's get started. Shane, do you want to kick off our first topic? We're actually going to sure. talk about two things, youth sports culture and dad leftovers. Two things that we are very, very passionate about. Uh, so um, youth sports culture. So we are both dads and we both have kids that are in youth sports. And uh, there was an article uh, written by Malcolm Gladwell about 10 or 11 years ago in The New Yorker. And it's about uh, underdogs. And um, Michael uh, brought this to my attention. I think I may have read it when it first came out. Uh, but he had some very, very interesting um, ideas about it. So uh, do you want to take a, a stab at Malcolm Gladwell's article? Yeah. And obviously, this bugs me still to this day, some 11 years later. That's how much this article stuck with me. So. Not only was it an article, it was also the basis for his book called uh, David and Goliath. Title of the, the book was How David Beats Goliath. And uh, one of the big topics or the narrative that goes throughout the article is how a, a Redwood City 12 and under girls youth team, by playing the full court press, which if you know anything about basketball, is where they defend the whole time using a rather unconventional strategy, manages to make it all the way to nationals. It was portrayed as an underdog story, where a Silicon Valley dad who knew almost nothing about basketball, but is also somewhat wealthy from the description. Anyhow, this guy. He is, just as an aside, he is also the now wildly unsuccessful owner of the Sacramento Kings. Oh, it's the same guy? This, this is a detail same guy. <laughs> All right, as a new wrinkle, I, it's my a, mind is very new wrinkle. This is the guy that, if you ever watched, there was a draft. Uh, oh God, I cannot remember the guy's name that they drafted, but it's like they did like the war room of the Sacramento Kings little documentary on it, and they all agree that they all wanted to take this one player, and they all just agree, and everybody just says the name and nods. It's like this really weird, and it was this awful white guy from Michigan who ended up being like a terrible terrible NBA player that they had to like attach assets to to trade the next year. It was, it, it's, it, he's a, he's terrible. Oh, uh, my mind is that the sound you hear is the sound of my mind exploding as I yeah. been made aware of this extra bit of information. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, they, they should almost recall all past versions of this article just because of that one fact. Yeah. There should be like an asterisk. It's like, he's now the owner of the Kings, which is, if there weren't the Knicks, they would be like the most dysfunctional uh, sports franchise. But, you know, there is the Knicks. So so, so the premise, the premise was uh, this guy managed to make this uh, youth girls basketball team so good by employing an unusual strategy, like the David versus Goliath strategies. Not, not that they had them throw little stones at everyone's head. It was that they play the full court press, which is where you defend the whole time. If you've ever yeah. watched basketball, You've probably seen that one team after a score, one team inbounds the ball, and the other team sort of lets them go to half court, and that's when defense starts. So in the full right. court press, you defend the whole time. You defend the inbound, you make sure it's really hard to pass, and then hopefully you 
stop them from pass. They have three seconds to cross half court. Or is it three? Or is it five? They have uh, 10 seconds to or eight oh. seconds. Or even, even worse, eight seconds. I don't. I don't remember what it is for. Well, that's what it is in the NBA. I don't know what it is in the you know twelve and under girls basketball. Yeah, there, there's some limit. Mm-hmm. The point is, most teams don't do this. Right. And uh, the article portrays this uh, future Kings owner as a somewhat a maverick, somewhat figuring out how to take these underdog uh, children and getting them to who haven't played basketball before. Right. Getting them all the way to the nationals. Right. Okay, so now I've watched a lot of youth basketball, eight and under, not not twelve under, so slightly different. Right, and I now have a very strong opinion. Dribble a little bit, maybe make a shot. Yeah, you know what's really easy for the younger the kid is? It's crazy easy to play defense. Yes, <laughs> you know why? Because <laughs> they don't know how to dribble yet. Exactly. Right. Yeah, this guy's not a genius. In fact, yeah. he's just a jerk. It's mm-hmm. like, this is. It's actually completely disallowed at eight and under, and I'm sure it's basically not allowed by convention at ten right. and under, and probably twelve and under, because the girls do not yet have the skills to break a press. No, and there's a line in the uh, article where where uh, Vivek Ranadev is the guy's name. He uh, he mentions that uh, during one of the playoff games, like somebody even threatens to punch him in the face or something like that. True. And, and I was like, yeah, I would have tried to punch you in the face. Yeah. Because guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't discovered something new. The, the point of youth basketball isn't really just to win and to figure out, like, oh, this is a loophole because kids at this age can't dribble correctly. It's yeah. actually to teach the game and to, to have fun. And you know what? If you can't cross half court, that's not a lot of fun. Right. And I think, uh, you know, the one question I would ask, I know that his kids probably had fun because you're winning and whenever you win – People tell you that's a great thing, and you know they got to probably go to a trip, and yep. you know got on a plane or a bus, and they were you know it was really fun. But did they get any better at basketball? No. And do those kids play basketball at the next level? Do they play fourteen and under? Mm-hmm. So let me at a certain age, probably even at high school, those girls can dribble well enough that they can break the press. Right. If you can dribble and pass, that's why they don't actually employ it that much in the NBA. Right. One, it's hella tiring. And you only have, you know, 12 people on your team. And the other thing is that by the nature of its very um, design, you're going to leave somebody like one-on-one under the basket. And every NBA player can can pretty much beat one-on-one under the basket as an offensive player. Oh, wow. So other things I've discovered then by revisiting this article. So the article also... Kind of casually mentions that the other assistant coach that this guy got was a uh, Roger Craig, a former 49er. Yes, I, I don't get how you portray this team as a bunch of underdogs if a former professional athlete is your assistant coach. <laughs> assistant coach, yes, yes. Only in Silicon Valley could you somehow get away with this. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and that's part of the the narrative too. Like the other the other uh, example that he uses. Um, uh, that Gladwell uses in this article talking about the full court press is uh, Rick Pitino, uh, the now disgraced former coach of the Louisville Cardinal and previously uh, uh, Kentucky Wildcats, which was which was the kind of the period of time that he was focusing on. Um, and his point was that even though he was at this powerhouse school, he employed the press and was able to win a lot of games and win national championships. 
because he didn't and he didn't have the great sort of future NBA stars, he was able to press and still win. And his argument was that he really only had Antoine Walker, who was a guy that um, uh, went on to be an NBA all-star at any point in his career. Um, yes. Two things about that. One, I mean, were they not NBA all-stars because of the fact that they were playing this kind of junk defense and then they got to the NBA and didn't know how to play? <laughs> right? Very possible. And two, he was at the University of Kentucky, which is like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a factory for good basketball. Yes. They, there's no way that he wasn't getting the best athletes in the country uh, to go there. The idea that they would be that the University of Kentucky would ever be an underdog to the point where you'd call them a David versus Goliath is the most ridiculous thing that you could possibly say about the University of Kentucky. Yeah. So from this, I have now come to many, many, many conclusions. But here's some of the key ones. Well, first of all, I want to. I, I don't have a good one, but I just want to point out that, you know, in part of uh, Rick Pitino's uh, disgrace, it was pointed out that he had uh, sexual intercourse with a woman in an Italian restaurant that lasted about 45 seconds. Yes. That's all. Well, I do know that one of our listeners is uh, is a child, <laughs> my child. <laughs> yes, I, I, I do apologize uh, for that. But however, uh, I didn't say anything bad words. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. So number one, uh, a very important conclusion that you should be able to get from this, no editor at the New Yorker, uh, they don't have enough dads there. <laughs> and specifically, they don't have sports dads because any one of them could tell you immediately like, oh, wait, that article that you're writing, you got to drop it. <laughs> Isn't that the problem, though, with a lot of big sort of metropolitan cities now, too? Like, there's just no families that live in them. Yeah, it, that's very possible. Or Park, San Francisco, like the city center of Chicago, downtown LA, there's just no like families. It's all high rises and there's no parks and it's just, it's just, there's single people and uh, rich people. Yeah. Or, or it's very possible that it's the type of fathers that are not involved and not the assistant coaches of sports that they know nothing about. Like you know, right. some of us might have had to do. <clears throat> uh, which brings into the whole concept of youth sports in general. So our, our broader topic. Mm-hmm. So there are many aspects to youth sports culture. There are indeed. Uh, so the first thing, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about like taking my kid. So my kid. So your kids play uh, what? Softball, uh, basketball, soccer, those kinds yep. of things. That's okay. It. My kid currently is swimming. He's done basketball and soccer as well. Um, parents are nuts. That they are. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. Um, and you've got several different kinds, right? You've got the, the helicopter parent that is like, you know, constantly making sure that their kid, like at a swim meet, you're at, you're at a, you're at the pool for like, you know, six hours a day and, you know, you're swimming about, uh, you know, a minute and a half, but you know, you're, you're just kind of hovering around your kid, making sure he's got snacks, making sure he's got, you know, whatever he's, he's got his towels. He doesn't lose his, he's got a, you know, a, a tablet in front of him so he's not bored all that stuff and then you've got you know your crazy competitive parent that's like pushing his kid and it's like you need to be faster you need to be faster you know and getting it right in his face and kind of berating him for not doing as well as they could uh you've got the you know uh parent that is you know fastidious about the rules the, the parent that's going directly to either the coaches or the the uh 
whether it be umpires or officials or whatever. And it's like, you know, well, actually, you know, if you, if you watch the, you know, the tape that I have here, his, he should have came in first, but you, you know, marked him second, you know, that guy, you know, yep. that parent. In fact, uh, at one of the games we were at, uh, this was eight and under basketball. We heard, I heard a, a parent yell, you got to call it both ways regarding double dribbles. Now, if you, <laughs> if you watch eight and under basketball, there's a lot of double dribbles. It's, it's hard to double. catch. It's, it's a lot of double dribbling. You can't call them all. Otherwise, the game just doesn't go anywhere, right? Right. You, you, you're basically not calling double dribbles at that point. You're calling, you're really just calling like quadruple dribbles. Like if yeah. they do it twice in a row, then you got to call it. Yeah, but if they just get. Slide. Exactly. Um, there's another important thing about the eight and under, uh, youth basketball referees. They are teenage kids <laughs> that are volunteering. Mm -hmm. So, so this parent is trying to berate a 14 year old for missing a double dribble. Right. At least that the nice thing about, about sports, I mean, uh, swim, swimming sports is when you go to meets, all of the officials are like adults. Right. So they're not going to be like intimidated by, you know, some guy yelling at them. However, they are clearly parents of mm. other kids. So you, there's always some, you know, wink, wink kind of stuff where, you know, if they're looking at their own kid or maybe the, the kid they carpool with mm. uh, to swim practice all the time, maybe they're looking the other way on, you know, the underwater recovery on a, a butterfly. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's some, there's some, there's some shenanigans going on. Not that I'm one of those super competitive parents. The double dribble of the butterfly. Yes, the double dribble of the butterfly. The the underwater recovery. Apparently, you can only do like one stroke underwater after you dive in. You know, and if you actually start, if you finish like this, if you finish the stroke all the way without coming out of the water, then it's uh, it's a disqualification. Ooh, that, that, that's harsh. Well, you know, with my kid, I've always looked at it as like you know DQs are part of it, and you have to like you know learn from it. So, you know, my kid, his, his very first non-freestyle race, and he was seven, right? So he's, you know, he's on the block. He looks so much smaller than other, the other kids that he's racing, racing at the time because it was like eight and under. So, like, there's a big difference between an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old in terms of size and right. everything. And, and believe me, I want to check the birth certificates on some of these kids. But... <laughs> You know, he's he's scared and everything like and he's going to dive in and he's going to do breaststroke across the across the pool. And breaststroke is generally a pretty easy stroke. Right. But you have to in order to avoid being DQ'd, you have to, you know, do it the right way. Well, my kid dives in and boom, comes out of the water, freestyle, freestyle and all the way across the pool. Oh, yeah. and and <laughs> in retrospect, it's hilarious because everybody else is doing. Uh, breaststroke, which is like the slowest of the strokes, and he's doing freestyle, so he's smoking everybody across the pool. And he realizes about halfway, he's like, "Oh, you know, uh, shenanigans!" And he, uh, you know, starts to do his little uh, breaststroke at the time, but he did get DQ'd for that race. But uh, that, you know, that, came, that sounds he, okay. <laughs> yeah, and he came out of the pool, you know, and he's sad, and he's right. you know, on the verge of tears and everything like that. And you just say. You know, it's okay. You'll get them next time. You know, this is our first meet. You know, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to win everything every time. Right. So, and, and, and that, that, yeah. Go. That's, that's highlighting exactly what you want them to get out of these sports, right? They, you right. want them to be able to fail in something that doesn't really matter. 
Yeah. And competition is good, right? Like you want your kids to be competitive. You don't want them if they, you know, drop a second on their, you know, 200 that they're going to, you know, cry and want to quit the sport. Right. Yeah. You also want them to teach them perseverance. You want to teach them to care about something and then either attain it sometimes, hopefully sometimes, and then not get it sometimes and still be okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having them not play on a screen and um, sit in front of a TV or something like that is also oh, yeah. a, a valuable thing. They have so much energy at this time, right? Yeah. They're like little batteries. And if you don't let them give them an outlet for it, that energy just goes to waste. Totally. And uh, so sports are good. Yes. Yes. I, I think we can come to that conclusion. <laughs> sports yeah. on the whole are good. Uh-huh. Uh, the next, the next thing that you've got to do as a, as a sports dad, you've got to have your kids like snacked mm-hmm. whatever, whether it be a basketball game, soccer game, swim meet, whatever sport you're in, you've got to have like, you've got to have, this is why like cargo shorts are really good because mm-hmm. you can throw like three or four granola bars in that side pocket. You know, you can get maybe that one little piece of chocolate, maybe like a little mini pack of M&Ms or something from that, you know, you always have those leftover from like Halloween and Valentine's Day and stuff like that. Just getting those little quick pieces of sugar in your kid as they start to like, you know, you can see them start to droop. Now for swimming, do they have the snack parents? You know, no. They tried doing that with uh, some teams probably do it. Mm -hmm. Um, They tried doing it with our team. And um, our team is a little bit more laid back than some of the other teams. Um, you know, we're kind of, we've got a, like, because uh, in swimming, the other thing that parents do is they, they act as timers. Right. Right. We have to, we have like a chair that you've got to volunteer. And sometimes you have two chairs there at one of the lanes. Maybe it's three, maybe it's just one. But, you know, parents have to be timers. So you have to, you know, have volunteers for it. And, um, I don't mind it because it's like you're sitting at a freaking meet for like eight hours and you get bored out of your mind. You know, watching people swim is better than, you know, just staring at nothing. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I guess that's an advantage of the more game, like the team games where you're not just waiting. Mm-hmm. Certainly we're waiting for, you know, your kid to come out and play if it's something like basketball or soccer with rotations. But right, at least there's something going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. So you guys have like the one parent that's responsible for snacking everybody for the entire game. Yeah, we have a, a rotation. The, and right. typically it's after the game, then they, they break out all the snacks and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Disaster, of course, can occur because every now and then you get the parent that doesn't quite have their act together and there's no snack. Right. Or they bring something that, you know, somebody's allergic to or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. We've mostly got that figured out, but mm-hmm. it, it happens. Right. The other thing with like swimming is, you, you know, the, the older kids generally swim early in the morning, the younger kids swim in the afternoon and there's like two different sessions. So like getting like coordinating that kind of thing where like there's maybe 12 people coming in the morning, but then 15 kids in the afternoon, it can be kind of a mess to sort of try to coordinate snacks for right. like one doing it. And then some kids just like, you know, as soon as they're done swimming, they're gone. But yes, you do have to have snacks all there. Um, so let me ask you this. What is the longest that you've had to drive to one of your kids' games? Oh, boy. 
So, well, we have to drive pretty far. So for sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, later on, I know we're going to have to go to Bend, I believe, which is pretty. Okay. So just to add a, roughly an hour so far. Geographers in our, how long is that? Uh, well, well, now I have to figure this out because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> bend, you know, Bend sounds like it's far from everything. Yeah. They, they didn't mess around with the name. Like that's not a, that's not a, yeah, yeah that, that's a three hour drive. Okay. We're, we're going to stay overnight. That's a tournament though. Yeah. We've had a couple of, you know, you swim meets, you have to be there. You know, you either have to be there at like seven thirty in the morning or you have to be there at like 1230 in the afternoon. Right. Uh, so depending on it. And we, we can drive anywhere from, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes for a meet, you know, one way yeah that's that's pretty bad yeah our normal uh our normal games aren't that bad it's just these mm -hmm. occasional tournaments yeah and we'll have we have like two meets a month is kind of the way it goes and meets are typically both days so it's saturday and sunday mm. so that's a lot of driving yeah that that is a lot of driving and do you have the thing where depending on how well they do they're they might have to compete either the second half of the second day or you don't really know. It's more of a tournament. Oh, structure. yeah. Oh, yeah. So like if you it's not like that, but it's like you're signed up for all the events. So if you're signed yeah. up for you can, you know, with most with most teams, you can sign up for just one day if you can only make one day. Um, but if you're signed up for both days, you swim every event that you're in um, to your point about like qualifying, but you can qualify for meets that not everybody else can qualify for. So right. like if you have a particular time in a particular event, you qualify then for that event at like regional championships or zone championships or state championships. It's uh it can be complicated. Which kind of brings me to the next point. So this could end up being your full weekend depending. And mm -hmm. it's also variable. You don't know that it's going to be your full weekend. Oh yeah. So uh, I've asked uh, my youngest one what her favorite parts of doing soccer are. Mm -hmm. And here they are in order. Number one, snacks. Snacks okay. is definitely her favorite part. I, I can understand that. She really likes snacks. Mm -hmm. Number two, all of her friends from school are on the team. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of fun. Number three, they like tunnel. Uh, now, do they do tunnel uh, where you are, Shane? No, so you explained tunnel to me, and it probably deserves some uh, explanation, but it's basically the kids sort of, uh, the whole team sort of gets together and they uh, make make a, make a parallel lines, right? And they yes. kind of join each other with the hands above, and then one kid at a time runs through that sort of Yes, tunnel. and as, as, the, as they make this physical tunnel, they also clap their hands. They say tunnel, tunnel. It's very cute. Okay. The end of the tunnel goes through, the kid crawls through it, comes on the other side, reforms the tunnel, so the tunnel keeps moving. <clears throat> Her third no, favorite thing. Yeah. No, in swimming, they have a, something similar. They sort of, they gather up the entire team in like a mob of kids, mm. right? And they're all like, and I stand back because it's a mob of kids who've just gotten out of the pool and they're wet. Yes. Um, so you want to stay away from that mob of kids that's just gotten out of the pool. Um, and they kind of, they, th they all, they do the whole, put their hands in and then they kind of chant and they chant the name of their team, Menlo Mavericks, da -da -da -da, you know, that whole thing. Yes. And they kind of, they, they do that. Yes. And then the last thing that she lists uh, as her favorite parts is the actual kicking of 
the ball and running around mm. and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I asked my kid the same. Uh, he also listed snacks as his favorite. Mm. Uh, hot chocolate was actually his favorite thing. Um, at a at a swim meet because they do swim meets all year round. So even though we are in California and we don't have real winter, you know it's you know forty five fifty degrees and rainy and sure. you're out swimming and you're in a swimsuit and wet and everything. Right. So we we generally have you know we do the thermos of soup or the thermos of hot chocolate. So that's like that's his that's his favorite thing. Uno was his second favorite thing. Mm. Playing Uno that's a great game to sort of as the kids are waiting you know, for their next event, because literally you're there for four or five hours. I've, I think I've said about different, like six different time lengths that these things last. But, you know, as you're sitting there waiting for your, your kid to swim, right? they're just sitting around too. And, you know, they got nothing to do other than, you know, so you bring, you know, cards of Uno, Uno cards and it's great because all the kids know how to play Uno. Um, though it does bring, bring me to like the, the different rules that everybody has for Uno. I did not realize there are different rules. Well, so if you don't get the right, if you don't have the card that comes around, it's your turn. If you don't have, you know, a blue or a five and you don't have a wild card, what do you do? You draw a card. Right. Right. There are some people that play where you draw until you get a blue or a five. Hmm. The, the official rules on the, on, the, if, on the box, if I'm not mistaken, is you just draw one card. If you don't get a blue or a five you then skip your turn and you go to the next person. Right. That would That's the way I always play. Sense. Some people play until, and, and, and the kids get like, they can have like conflicts over that. Hmm. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a, that could be, and friendships. Yes. Yes, it could. It's a, it's could It could end marriages. Um, the third, his third favorite thing. And he only gave me three things was actually, he said, when I make, when I make up her personal record, Oh, so, so the actual swimming. Yeah. Yes. So yes. So when he when he gets the PR, he's super excited about it. So that makes me want. We've we've talked about. We've established that yeah, we think sports are good. Mm -hmm. But we've gone over now that for the kids, their more favorite things are stuff that is unrelated to the sport. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it makes you wonder what. Why do we do this again? Why, why are we driving so far and spending full weekends on this? Um, the easy question is: We are not smart. Yes, I, I can. Uh, you know, we do we do what we are told hmm. <laughs> um, by by lots of different people. Like, um, uh, I don't know about your kids, but my kid not only has all the meets and all that stuff and everything, but he's going to practice like three days a week. Yeah, we so, have that too. Yeah, so it's you know driving in rush hour because thankfully nobody has it during the middle of the day when nobody can do it. Right. But it's you're you're driving in rush hour after you've just gotten home during rush hour to go take your kid to you know uh, practice, which is you know kind of a pain. Yeah. So not only you know are we actively doing this. Parents are typically the ones to encourage their kids to do this in the first place, and I know we yep. certainly were. That's right. No, and uh, this this wasn't like it was when we were kids. Oh no, I will tell you that. Like you know, I think um, I made my own. I mean, this was back when you know kids could you know get on their bike and go somewhere without parental control. Um, I would never let my ten year old do that. But oh, uh, no. uh, you know, we would just I would go to you know 
baseball practice and it was just, you know, I would walk or get on my bike and go. And I think my parents just did non-parental things when I went. And in fact, I don't even remember my parents going to a lot of my games at the time because it wasn't like, it was like, why would I go to a little league game? They're boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Let alone driving four hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you, you, you've got a game in uh, Orlando? Nope, we're not going. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. So, I don't know why we do this. So anyway, we'll leave it there. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, the, that's the answer. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We don't have all the answers, listeners. But, or should I say listener? Is, do we have enough to say listeners? Maybe. Okay, well, we'll see. Um, so this is what the uh, the pod is really about this week. Um, it's something that you and I are passionate about. Yes. It's something I feel like doesn't get enough attention in the, uh, the national uh, discussion. Um, and it is uh, dad leftovers. Dad leftovers. Now... Dad leftovers. What there should, really should be a name for these things. I've, I've thought of a couple of names, mm -hmm. only exactly a couple, two, two, oh. two. That that would be a couple. Yes. Uh, listener or listeners, please submit your for your choices for for uh, the, the name. But I'll, here's mine. Uh, number one, dad batting cleanup. I can think of right. that. Like your cleanup mm -hmm. eater, whatever's yep. left, dad's gonna clean it up. Finish it up, whatever is left. Yep. Yep. Dad batting cleanup. Now it's sort of that 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 name. I'm gonna sort of say, probably would have been a lot better maybe ten years ago before mm -hmm. everybody started putting their best hitter at in the two hole, and then like there's no real cleanup hitter anymore. Yeah, advanced metrics have ruined <laughs> the cleanup. Exactly. Anyhow, so okay, dad batting cleanup. The, my second one, which might be a little better, dad overs. Dad overs is excellent. Uh, that might be it. Mm -hmm. We might have solved think, it once and for all. I think we should, we should call it dad overs for the rest of this pod unless somebody else comes up with something better. All right. Sounds good to me. So why do we eat leftovers? Like you, you see your kid's plate and there's a, a third of a cheeseburger or there's a half a bowl of mac and cheese or, uh, you know, a chicken finger and four fries and you just can't leave it alone. Yeah. Right. In my family growing up, I thought the convention was that my dad would always just eat whatever I didn't eat. That uh, I just thought that's how it would work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I can't eat it. And now I give it to my dad. Like that was actually the, I thought that was part of the eating process. I didn't think there was actually a possibility that he might not eat it. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we were, again, if we were smarter, we would, as dads, we would factor in dad, dad overs into our diet. And we would actually, you know, make less food, we would eat less of our own food, understanding that, hey, I'm going to get, you know, that, that remain, that, those dad overs from, from, from your kids. And you've got two. Yeah. Oh, so that, that adds to the variability. I never know how many dad overs I'm going to get. Exactly. Could be a full meal. So I could be eating two meals at any given moment, or it could be nothing. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you get disappointed when there's no dad overs? Sometimes, if they're eating something that I I wouldn't mind eating just enough of, mm -hmm. I get I get disappointed in, in if I don't get a dad over if if I am still hungry. Mm. Like I'll I'll if I finish something fast and I'm looking at my kid and he's because he's a notoriously slow eater, 
I'll look at him and be like, you know, man, I wish I could. You gonna finish that? Yeah. You gonna you gonna finish that? Shouldn't you be and playing Minecraft right now? Like I've been eating. Yeah. 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 It's like, do, do you want to play on my phone? I'll let you play on my phone if you let me have that. You know, yeah. That kind of thing. So. So again, why do we eat all the leftovers? So we need to kind of explain sort of your 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 evolution into dad as as a, as a male. This is going to be very very gendered. Um, I apologize for anything that's insensitive in this. Well, uh, to be fair, I believe that women could eat dad overs as well. True, true. They certainly could. Um, but at least from my perspective, this is how I became a dad, and it started, you know you know, single guy life. I was terrible at shopping for myself, right? I didn't know how to do it. You know, your, your parents do the shopping when you're growing up. Maybe you hang around the cart, you know, and maybe you're allowed to pick out a cereal. But, uh, and it, it had to be, you know, something with a lot of sugar in it. But you don't actually plan meals out. So when you're first starting shopping, you plan out meals, and by the end of the week, as a single guy, you've run out of stuff. And if you're not a poor student, and I was a poor student, then maybe you could get yourself another trip to the grocery store and get something, or, you know, a quick, you know, burger at a burger joint or something like that. Or if you're in my case where you didn't have anything, like no money for the rest of the week, well, maybe you had to skip a meal or two. Right. Or maybe you had to load up on, I'm just going to have, you know, another bowl of cereal for dinner tonight because I don't have anything else. Cereal is so, fine dinner. Right. But food becomes super valuable. Like you, you, you always, you'll run into those first friends that will be like, Hey, would you like to come over to my place for a home cooked dinner? And you're like, Oh my God, I would love that. You know, it's like, the food becomes like the most valuable thing in your life when it, when it becomes something that's not always readily available. And I'm not trying to tell a sob story about, you know, lack of food or hunger or anything like that. I'm sure I certainly wasn't going hungry, but I'm, <clears throat> you become really, really aware of waste of food. Like you don't throw anything away because you're worried that you might not have it. Right. Right. Uh, if you've ever seen that Seinfeld episode where George Costanza uh, sees an eclair, it has been mm. thrown away. It's at the top of the trash, though. It yes. doesn't look like it's defiled yet. Nope. And then I, he proceeds to eat that. So it's disgusting, but I understand. Is. Yes. You can feel his pain. Yeah. Yeah. So then, <clears throat> if you're lucky enough, gentlemen, you become a boyfriend, right? Early on in that relationship, maybe you're a little self-conscious about how you order at a restaurant or what you eat when when your your significant other uh, makes you something, or if you make something for her, you're a little conscious. You want to make sure that she eats. You want to make sure that she likes what she's eating. So you're not picking off her plate. You're maybe not. You don't want to seem like a pig, so you're not finishing something if she doesn't finish. You're allowing like you know to go boxes to leave the restaurant. Oh. Um, I know. I, I, I felt your pain right there. It's very painful. Yeah. And there's there's another kind of girlfriend, too. The, the one that, you know, orders the house salad when you get, you know, your burger and fries 
and she eats half your fries. Hmm. Right? We've all dated that girl. I married her. <laughs> well, see, this is um, a good reason to marry a vegetarian because there's some portion of my meal that uh, uh, I know that she'll never touch. She'll never touch. Uh, good job. Um, okay. But then finally, you become a husband. Um, and you start to see all the things that you're, that you're, that you're now wife, spouse, uh, forgets to eat that they, that they waste, right? Everybody's wife has two sips of coffee that she leaves in every mug that she ever pours for herself. It's just invariable. Mm. And it's infuriating. That is, <laughs> that is life-giving caffeine that when it were hot, would be delicious going down your throat and when it's cold and clammy and it's been on the uh, counter for six hours nobody wants it yeah and i find that the worst especially if you're in that like transition period of coffee where mm -hmm. i don't really want to make another pot exactly however there's not really anything it's just like the dregs left mm -hmm. like there, there was you see in that mug there, there could have been exactly the amount you wanted mm -hmm. yep and you start to you start to do dishes around the house and you know you're cleaning your dishes and you're scraping the food off of her plate and every time you do that you're realizing she didn't eat you know she had three bites of chicken that she didn't eat she had she had you know a twirl of pasta that she didn't get on her fork she's got you're, you're doing like a stir fry with rice and she didn't get all the rice onto her chopsticks or whatever Right. And now I want to make something clear. We live in a country of abundance. Yes, uh, we do. We would all probably be better off. You shouldn't eat if you're not hungry. Like, I don't think most people in this country are not in the situation where uh, no. you're probably better off not eating, actually, if you're not hungry. You should only eat what you really need. True. I have probably 15 pounds that I need to lose. Yeah. So just complete. The not eating is actually the right response. <laughs> yes. Yes. Again, we're stupid. Yes. Yeah. So, but you start seeing that. You start seeing all that waste, right? And that totally sets the stage for fatherhood. And your kid is leaving now, instead of like your, 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 your spouse who might be leaving a bite of food, your kid is leaving. Like the first time you go to a restaurant with your kid and you order that kid like a, like a bowl of mac and cheese or something like that. They have four bites of it. They don't like it. And they, they just leave it all. Yeah. And that shit is delicious. Yes. So Usually a little sweeter than the stuff that the adults get. Exactly. And you would never order it on your own. Like what, what restaurant actually lets you order chicken fingers as an adult? No, never. It's crazy. Like you can't, you can get like, if you, go, if you get, mac and cheese as an adult it's always like you know some fancy mac and cheese like baked mac and cheese with lobster and you know bacon bits and it's like while that's delicious and sounds lovely sometimes you just want craft mac and cheese sometimes you want american cheese mm -hmm. which i don't know what what it is about the yellowness of american cheese that makes it american that's oh, the artificialness it's it probably is the artificialness the artificial america the artificialist country in the world it's something that doesn't exist in nature, and that's what makes it American. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so 
you start eating that stuff because you can't stand waste. Mm. And what happens? What happens to all of us? Well, we gain, we gain, I'm going to say I gained five pounds, even though just about, you know, if you rewind three minutes, I told you that I needed to lose 15. Well, we're not that good with numbers. No, we're not. No, we're not. I mean, I could go back to how many hours I spend at a swim meet. And, you know. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'll edit that out. Okay, great. Uh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, of course, there's the dad bod. Yes, that, that's why there's the term, mm-hmm. dad bod. Yep. It's, it's dad overs. That's, that's what caused it. It should be called dad over handles, not love handles. <laughs> that, that would be a good name. Mm-hmm. It's a little uh, long. But anyway, so we will continue to eat dad overs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we come to our, um, we do lots of lists. So here's our uh, lists of the best dad overs. Do you want to start? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go with uh, the first best dad over, cake. Specifically for me, it's going to be birthday cake because this comes uh-huh. up a lot. You go to a birthday party with your kid, what, right. whatever age. Inevitably, mm-hmm. cake gets handed out. Uh, inevitably, the cake piece given to your child is too big for them. Right. And so you not only get to eat the cake slice given to you, you get to eat mm-hmm. whatever they had left over as well. Yeah. So that brings me to one sort of subtle point, and I'm sort of stealing this from an office episode, I think. Um, but, you know, around here, a lot of people don't do the full cake. They, they go and they get their little little mini uh, cupcakes. Mm. And it's not even cupcakes, right? It's the mini cupcakes. So you've already taken a cupcake is already like a mini cake. And right. you've miniified that even. And it's like, uh, I so, think it's the, 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 I can't remember his name, the office character, the bald guy. But he says, uh, it's like, what is it with you people? You know, just the, <laughs> the whole idea that you, you just, you continue to make it smaller because... And here's the the tragedy of it: most kids can finish a mini cupcake, right? And, yeah, and then there's no no dad overs at all, right? And that's a it's a it's a sad sad thing. So they call it a cupcake because it is a mm-hmm. cake now that fits in a cup, right? So that shouldn't be a mini cupcake, right? No, it should be a shot glass cake. <laughs> Probably not appropriate for the kids. <laughs> Hey, there's no liquor in it. That's, that's true. Unless we're we're unless just referring. You're, unless you're doing it the right way, right? Hmm. All right, that's a new idea. Okay. Shot glass cake. Shot glass cake. Excellent. Um, your second favorite leftover. My second favorite is the donut. Now, donut almost even better than the cake because cake you're you're eating the same thing that you already had a piece of. Donut, mm-hmm. you get a wide variety of them, and usually for true. my kids, their donut leftover is the sprinkles kind right and i i don't pick the sprinkles kinds because you would never pick the sprinkles kind because you're an adult yeah of course i have to get glazed like a fully grown human being yeah or even like the the, the uh the cake donut which is kind of like the, the one that's really good for dipping in coffee yes yeah that's the excuse of the donut right it's going into my right. coffee yeah oh yeah <clears throat> and the, the 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 secret with donuts too and and people don't always think about this but donuts are way too big for a kid in general oh yeah like a full donut most kids can't handle that much fat and sugar in one sort of setting yeah but that's why it's awesome for dad overs 
They are awesome for dad overs. It's uh, they're really bad for like the post dad over like feelings because donuts always feel so good when you first eat them, but yep. like twelve minutes later, you feel like you want to hate yourself. Yeah. Very recently, I was taken out for the whole morning on a full donut, which was probably the size of three donut three donuts. It was more mm -hmm. of like a turnover. That was right. a bad idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with number three here. I'm going to go with that third of a cheeseburger. Ah, the perfect size. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've had a burger yourself, if you're at a burger joint and your kid has that third of a, a cheeseburger and you just got yourself like the regular adult version where you didn't get like the double or anything like that. Um, maybe you got like a bunch of like lettuce and tomatoes and stuff on yours. And then you're just eating your kids and your kid doesn't put anything on a bur on a burger other than ketchup and mustard. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so satisfying just to get that last little third because you get all the, just the umami of the burger, but none of the, like the stuff that the, the empty calories. Right. Yeah. It's just pure calories, right? Yes. Yeah, it's pure right. taste. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know about your kids. My kid never eats pizza crusts. So mine typically don't. However, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a little bit of a hack to this. Sometimes you can get that sauce, like the oh, yeah. sauce. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes people want the crust without the, uh, the pizza because the sauce right. is so good. So you got to always have a little bit of extra sauce somewhere. Like if you make your own pizza, always, you know, just make a little bit extra and just have that. Um, what I do, and this is really indulgent, and I learned this uh, from, a, from a restaurant in Colorado. Uh, I dip my pizza crusts in honey. Oh, I've never heard of so, that. So it's almost like the dad over is like a pre-dessert. So you've got your crust and you're dipping it in honey and it's delicious. I, I think I've gotten to the point where that crust, I really do look forward to the crust. Mm -hmm. And I, it's unfathomable to me that the kids would ever finish the crust. So I, I, I definitely plan the crust eating into my, my meal planning. Right. So um, get yourself a little dollop of honey. You can put it on the corner of your plate. No one will ever know. Because it's like pretty much clear. That's good. Uh, the one weird thing I do as a dad, as a dad, and my dad overeating, my kid is terrible at finishing chicken wings. I don't know if you saw this uh, uh, thing a couple weeks ago on the internet and had like um, the levels of eating your chicken wing, hmm. and it was like one through five, and one was like you know. You've taken like two bites and maybe done a, like a like a circle around the, the chicken wing, but there's still a whole bunch of meat in it. Right. And then all the way to five, which was basically you're just down to the bone where you've eaten even all the cartilage and everything off of it. So I am generally a five. I eat everything off the chicken wing pretty much. Right. Sometimes I'll leave the cartilage if it's too tough. But I, I, I am known to just suck everything down. My kid is number one. Mm. Right. So he's got all this chicken wing. It sounds gross, but I will finish his damn wings. I will just eat them. I know that he's probably slobbered all over them and it's gross, but I will do that. That That's a tough one. I've done it before, depending on how little hey, they've eaten. This is a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> that's good to know. Oh, no one will hear this, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I just can't stand that. This is where like the line for me between grossness and un inability to let that go to waste is just... Mm -hmm. It's that's my threshold, right? And so then we've got some honorable mentions. Um, basically, any any Mexican food that your kid doesn't fi finish. Oh, those is, are 
Those are invented for dadovers. Yeah, perfect. Like a bite of enchilada is great. Um, the heel of a burrito, half a taco. Um, my fate, my fate. One of my favorite Mexican foods are the little uh, what are those taquitos, the little deep fried little rolls of stuff, mm. and there's little things inside. Oh, those are great. Yep. Um, any plain like your kids are always gonna buy like, get like a plain meat and cheese sandwich. Like a half yep. of those sandwiches are great, like turkey and bacon or or roast beef and cheese, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, chicken fingers are yep. are lovely. We mentioned them before. They go into like the Hall of Fame of dad overs. Yep. Uh, mac and cheese, and then similar to the sandwiches, like a grilled a good grilled cheese because your kid will always order a grilled cheese. Yeah. Uh, and if they put too much bread for your kid, there's no such thing as too much bread for a regular person, a dad. That, that that second half of a of a of a grilled cheese is lovely. Ah, that's good stuff. So, mm-hmm. if we had to have a Mount Rushmore of dadovers, oh boy, where you can only pick four, we're stealing this from another pop- podcast, but no one's buying it. No one's going to listen to it. Well, I, I invite them to come onto the podcast to debate. Yes, there's an open good. invitation for the uh, the pardon my take guys. So. What wouldn't you? Oh wait, Mount Rushmore of, of leftovers. Rushmore. Yeah. Oh boy. All right, I'm gonna go with the donut. Okay. Donut's a solid choice there. I'll, I'll, the donut kind of overtakes the cake. Sure. You can you can get the right amount of sugar in your donut, and it's good. It can be post breakfast. It can be dessert. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, I would pick. Uh, I think I'm going to go with pizza crusts. Hmm. They're so versatile. It's it's it doesn't it doesn't always make you feel like you've eaten too much and that honey sort of dipping it in the honey is like mm. so that would be my second. So we've got two more. All right. So those those two are, are like definites for me. Now we start getting into the there's, there's some tough ones now. I I might go with quesadilla. Quesadilla is solid. Do you go? Do you do you go like plain cheese, or do you like like the meat? Different things inside. Uh, you know, I'll take either, but uh, my favorite would be the chicken quesadilla. Right. What's great about the quesadilla is, you know, your kid is going to get it, and he's not going to he or she's not going to eat all like the the sour cream and salsa and guacamole. They're going to oh, yeah. some of that, yeah. but you know, you can kind of get all that too. Yeah. That's a solid choice. I think for fourth, I think we got to go mac and cheese. The Teddy Roosevelt of this Mount Rushmore is the mac and cheese. Yes. Old yes. standby. It's a good one. Yeah. Those are, those are some solid picks. All right. So um, you sort of mentioned it. What won't you eat as a dad over? All right. My number one, I never eat this, the lollipop. Inevitably, kids will mm-hmm. not finish the They start the lollipop. The idea of the lollipop is really fun. They never mm-hmm. finish the lollipop. Right. And that I draw that line. I, I, I'm not going to finish that lollipop. That's a fair line. Um, I have a thing against anything that's melted. So like if, if your kid doesn't eat a bowl of ice cream and it becomes like uh, just milk soup. Yes. Can't touch that. Now, what if it's not melted yet? What if it's still in its ice cream form? Oh, if it's still ice cream, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Just clarifying because yeah. leftover ice yeah. cream is great. The leftover ice cream is wonderful. That like might a, have made the Rushmore. Oh, like a, like a ice cream cake. 
Oh, well, that's that. Now you're in the cake realm. <laughs> yeah, we've combined two things, and then you've got something lovely. Um, I I typically won't finish anything fruity, like like a like a my kid start like eats half an apple or something like that. I'm not going to finish that. Huh. I don't. I think um, another part of my dad brain sort of takes over, and I realize that oh. I can put that in the compostery and we can, you know, feed the worms and, you know, then get some nice, uh, you know, worm casings for the garden, that kind of thing. So since you started composting, has this changed your approach towards dad overs? No, because so the, the, the composting, we only throw, we don't, we aren't going to put like cooked food scraps in there. It's only going to be like, you know, organic material. So like fruits and vegetables, that's only the thing that's going to go in there. So we're not going to throw like, you know, an enchilada in there. There's no cake going into my composting. That's interesting. Well, but yours is a local compost, right? To your own Correct. garden. It's just in my, it's in my backyard, Michael. I see. <laughs> uh, ours gets taken away. That's... Yes, we do have that too. And that really hasn't changed my dad over eating. All right. So it's not just the waste, then. It's right. something, yeah. something a there's, bit more. There's, there's something inherent. organic. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then I won't eat soup. Yep. I understand that. It's just weird. It, it's and weird. in part because you know, like a like a like a mac and cheese, if it's not warm, you can still eat it, mm -hmm. right? And but cold soup, you know, I do love a good gazpacho. I probably wouldn't eat a leftover gazpacho of my kids either, though I don't know that my kid would ever eat gazpacho because it's called gazpacho. Yes. And like names for kids at that kind of age is you really should, important. You should never tell them it's that. Right. It has a new, a new kid name. Right. Like uh, Iron Man. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> of course you're going to drink Iron Man. Yeah. You have, you have some Iron Man. It's, it's great. Mm -hmm. Side of Spider-Man here. It is interesting because the liquids... I won't finish, like, if they leave orange juice. I'm not going to finish the orange juice either. So it's something about the liquid, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it, that could be. Maybe it's backwash. Oh, yeah. Good point. Although a lot of these foods probably have more slobber than Well, that. and you, if you've got, like, a, if you're on, like, a hike or something and you share a water bottle with your kid, that's not. Yeah. Mm, All right. I'm going to stop thinking about that. Anyhow. Okay. Anyway. All righty. So. We have come to the conclusion of our second episode, but we will leave you with our dad bod of the week. And who is our dad bod of the week, Michael? Our dad bod of the week is the very famous 90s pitcher named David Wells. Right. Go ahead and look up David Wells right now. So you know okay. What we're talking about. Yes, I know that he uh, pitched for the Yankees, he pitched for the Red Sox, he pitched for a couple of other teams, I think. It's kind of a. All over the place. Yeah. He was a, uh, you know, probably a solid, I don't know, what, number two starter? Yeah, yeah, easily. If he's your number two starter, yeah, you're, you're in a good place. Good postseason pitcher, good fastball, kind of a fly ball pitcher. But most importantly, good stomach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he clearly had the gut, and uh, he had the mustache. And beard. Uh, yeah, did he have the mustache-beard uh, combo, like a goatee? Most of the time. Sometimes uh, he, he doesn't have it. I've actually found a picture of him without the mustache or the, the goatee, and that's it's just strange. Right. Well, didn't he have to do that when he went to uh, the Yankees? Don't they make you cut your uh, facial hair? You can only have a mustache? 
He has a mustache, no beard with the Yankees. Right. That's such a weird rule that they've got. Yeah, it really ruins his dad look there too. So they really should have thought about that. It just, it just, I, I don't think you need a beard for the. I think um, the mustache makes you very daddish, but I just, uh, yeah, I feel like he he could be a little. He wants to be sloppier than he is right there. But his, uh, but they also should have taken into account the size of his chin. Like he needed that uh, that beard right. to help that. He's out. got he's got a no chin. Somebody stepped on his face when he was younger, and his chin got swallowed by his throat. The point is, I think everyone's probably had a friend whose dad looked like this. Mm-hmm. Very classic dad bod look. Yep. That's our dad bod of the week. Your classic pair of shaped dad bod. So, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want us to, you know, do more of these, let us know. We're going to keep doing them anyway, but it'd be nice to know if people really want them. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.